Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Everybody and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. And we are here to have an awesome time today. This is going to be a little bit of a different type of episode than we've done in the past. Um, everything right now is coronavirus, 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 COVID nineteen, and you know what? We're just all kind of to that edge. <laughs> we're all here, so this is going to be a much different episode than what you guys are used to hearing simply because we have to break from it. We have to get our minds off of this and we got to do some good stuff for ourselves. So I'm here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources. That's because I'm in the human business and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. And if you folks are listening for the first time, welcome aboard. This is a fun show. It's meant to be fun. And of course, unfortunately, we've been talking about a very serious topic and, um, you know, we've got the new laws that are coming that are out. We've got the regulations now in place and it's just absolutely crazy. And I'm going to tell you guys later in the episode where you can find a lot of the stuff, particularly, especially as it pertains to the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. So, but you know what? We're going to put all that aside. We're just going to, we're just going to check that over off to the side of the, and for those of you who are coming back time and time again, look guys, you guys rock. You're awesome. Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for listening. Really, this is a time to be very appreciative of what we have and the relationships that we formed because right now we need them more than ever. And you know what? Some of the feedback that I'm getting from you guys, I get emails and comments quite frequently. And you know what? Thank you so much, really, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for tuning in week after week. Um, you know, you guys, you guys give me purpose to be here and to do these kinds of things. So thank you very much. All right. So normally what we do in the show is that we talk about employment changes, law changes across the nation. We'll have like a main segment. We talk about upcoming events. Uh, we have an HR question of the day and how you can get best practices delivered to your inbox. Well, we're going to like skinny it down by about 50% this time around, simply because we all need, like I said, a mental break. Okay. So today I have a very special guest. He's awesome. And we're just going to get right to this segment because he's fantastic. And right now his message could not come at a better time. And, and to be honest with you, everything that I've planned, I mean, I plan weeks and months in advance for these types of main features. His is the only one that I've kept in its scheduled spot because of everything that's going on. And it's so pertinent. Okay, so before we go on, folks, I do want to share with you that the information that is available in this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. And if you don't have an employment attorney, go ahead and reach out to me. You can you can hit me up on the bestpractices.work website. 
and I will be able to refer one to you through our affiliates program. You can actually find a button that says employment attorney referral. Click that underneath the dedicated coronavirus page that's in the upper right hand corner of, of the main website. Okay, so we're going to just separate for a quick second. We're going to come back and I'm going to introduce to you our main guest in our main segment for today. Folks, this is going to be an awesome, fun interview uh, with a pal of mine here in the Virginia Beach area. He's a ton of fun, good guy, entrepreneur, making, like literally reaching new heights. And I say that with a big pun involved because you're going to find out why. Uh, I'd like to bring Bob Pizzini on. Welcome. How are you? Hey, Brenda. Thank you very much. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm awesome. So the reason why I'm being punny, pardon me, but I am, is that... <laughs> And Bob's over the laughing because he's like, oh, gosh, she really just did that, right? So Bob is the CEO of iFly here in Virginia Beach. So when I say reaching new heights, I'm literally not kidding. Did I lose you? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We'll edit that out. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. All right. So anyway, literally, I we, yeah, I thought we lost uh, connection there for a second. Yeah, I did too for a second. Well, we may have, but that's all right. Okay. So, so Bob's reaching new heights and being the owner of the CEO of iFly. Um, there you go. That's my, I should put in a rim shot sound right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you can fire me now for that one, just saying. Uh-huh. You could put in a high wind speed sound. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Went right on over my head. Oh, my gosh. How are you? How are things? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, you know the way kind of uh, the way you operate and the way I, I operate. We we keep things at a thousand miles an hour, and um, it's it's self-inflicted, but it's a lot of fun. So I'm doing great. Involved with a lot of different things. Just returned from the state of the city where I introduced the mayor as part of my role as the chairman of the Virginia Beach chapter of the Hampton Roads Chamber, and awesome. and you know that's just one of many things that I'm fortunate enough to be involved with. That's fantastic. Well, good for you. That's really cool. So Bob has an awesome, really, I sat in on his program to, to listen. I've heard it delivered many times, but I got a chance to see, or at least a portion of it, and I got a chance to see the complete program from start to finish and spend a day. And Bob is, is, Bob is an awesome guy to talk to about leadership development. And before we really get into this, there's a ton of information out there on leadership development what people can do to be better leaders but Bob's focus is a little bit different and I've had a lot of people approach me over the years um, especially since I started doing this podcast series that want to get onto the show to talk about leadership but you know what? it doesn't necessarily resonate and I really have reserved talking about leadership unless I'm speaking to members of the Naval Special Warfare community, because leaders like Bob, we've had Jim Foreman on the show, we've had several other, you know, uh, SEALs that have come on. And the reason why I bring them on is because their levels of leadership and comprehension of what needs to get done and how to go about doing it and merging with the people to do it is, is literally unprecedented compared to a lot of other things that I've seen out there. And it's just, I'm constantly impressed. So I want to always give opportunity to folks like you, Bob, to come in and actually talk about it. So, I'm going to stop lathering, and if you do me a favor, share with everybody what it is that you like to focus in on in regards to helping people identify ways they can be better leaders. 
Sure. Well, um, you know, I spent 26 years in Navy Special Operations as a, as a Navy Explosive Ordnance Disposal Technician, and it's a very physically demanding job. We have all the mobility skills of of diving and, and parachuting and, and rappelling and fast roping out of helicopters and and all the kind of high high energy, high action stuff that you see. And that requires a high degree of physical fitness, obviously. Mm -hmm. And over the course of my career, uh, and especially post-career, um, fitness is something that I have found I need to pay even more attention to because my level of fitness directly impacts my ability to be a good leader or an effective leader. And I have developed a program, a one-day seminar uh, entitled Elevate Your Leadership, where I talk about the science of leadership. And so everybody's heard the term, the art and science of leadership. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the science is something that uh, you've never heard discussed in the manner in which I discuss it. Now, I'll expand on that in a second, but but the art of leadership is the first part that I discuss. And, you know, these are age-old discussions. And for me, the art of leadership is, is quite simple. We have a foundation on which we base our leadership. And just like a skyscraper has a very deep and a very wide foundation to have the, the height that it has, um, a leader has to have a foundation uh, or, or a method uh, by which they lead, a very conscious method. Mm -hmm. And so I discuss six leadership styles and seven power types and, and very advanced leaders already have that foundation built, but leadership is very perishable and you mm -hmm. have to review those basics on a regular basis. And then if they already have that foundation built, we will evolve it to the next level. Leadership is a lifelong pursuit and something that, that people will uh, continually get better at. So that's the art component of it. Um, and a lot of that is familiar territory for a lot of people. What I believe is completely unfamiliar and something that I discovered through listening to my own body over the years is what I call the science of leadership. And for me, the science of leadership is paying attention on a daily basis to your level of rest, hydration, nutrition, exercise, brain and heart health, and lifelong learning. And I'll take a quick pause there. No, that's fine. You keep on going. This is a podcast episode. We want people talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Oh, this is not a platform to be shy. <laughs> okay. So, uh, with you know, I, again, I have um, put this presentation together after, uh, first of all, having a 26-year career, and now, now I'm 11 years in the private sector, and feeling my body go through uh, the changes over the years. In some cases, positive changes, uh, and in some cases, uh, changes for the negative. But I, I, know, I knew early on in my career, and I know till this day, that physical activity, or if I'm well-nourished, or if I'm well-hydrated, or if I'm well-rested, I perform at a much higher level. Mm -hmm. Subconsciously, I think everybody knows that, but, sub, but, but consciously, people aren't paying close attention to that. And I uh, established, you know, a few multi-million multi dollar businesses, and I've been fortunate enough to, to have success in the private sector. But uh, a few years ago, I just didn't have the clarity and the focus and the mental energy that I had for the previous, uh, we'll say, you know, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And um, luck, I was lucky enough to, uh, to be able to visit a veterans program in Aurora, Colorado called the the Marcus Institute for Brain Health. 
And it was a three-week program, and we spent a lot of time talking about not necessarily rest, hydration, nutrition, et cetera, but it was really focused on the health of the brain and the, the communication and the relationship between the brain and the heart. But it was through that process that I was able to finally make sense of what my body had been telling me uh, throughout my entire professional life when it comes to rest, hydration, nutrition, exercise, brain and heart health, and lifelong learning. Those six things, um, those six things all have an impact, positive or negative, on my ability to lead. And those six things could also positively or negatively impact each other. Yes. For example, yes. Yeah. So, for example, if I'm not well rested, and people know when they're not, um, I'm not in the best state of mind to make a decision. Now, right. Jeff, Jeff Bezos, uh, who I'm sure everybody is familiar with. He insists on eight hours of sleep per day. He says he makes it a priority, and he does that because the decisions he makes on a daily basis have multi-million dollar implications, and it's in his shareholders' best interest that he's well-rested. Yep. And, and it's no different for any leader at any level. It is in your team's best interest that you show up every day well-rested and ready to make uh, the best decision you can make. But rest, again, is only one of the six components. Also through uh, my time at the Marcus Institute, uh, I was exposed to an app, a sleep app, and um, it, 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 it's called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Insomnia, or CBT-I, and I recommend everybody download it. But you can get through the whole app in 20 minutes to educate yourself on all the aspects of sleep, the different levels of sleep, and, and how you can really prepare yourself through night habits, through evening habits, to have a great night's sleep and wake up the next morning feeling refreshed, feeling energized, and really uh, putting your day in motion. That's so, sleep. Yeah. Yes. So something I want to interject here real quick, and I'm sorry to cut you off because I know you're on a roll, but something that's um, that that I am a huge advocate on. As a matter of fact, today, earlier, I was telling you before we started this interview that I just I was contracted to do a uh, webinar on preparing, helping businesses prepare for the arrival of the coronavirus in the workplace. And one of the slides that I ensure that I put in there is that you need to take care of yourself as a leader. And I put minimum, try and get at least six hours of sleep because you're going to be dealing with all of these things. And inevitably what happens is that when you're feeling tired and you're run down, the consequences of this are that people see it. Not only do you feel it, and it doesn't do you any justice, but people see it. And people tend to start losing confidence because you're going to burn out. <laughs> it's as simple as that. No, it's and very, very true. Yeah, and so I'm a huge proponent. Those who are in the next gen uh, HR women, women in HR community. Sorry, I'm getting backwards today, but um, they know. They hear me say it all the time. We even dedicate a whole week to talking about taking care of yourself. And on the weekends, I do a quick little post on Snap Out of It Saturday. What are you doing to do at least 30 minutes of something for yourself? You know, on one day out of the week, at the very minimum. So you have to take care of yourself, and that's and that's a lot of what we're talking about. So please continue. This is awesome. Yeah. So so you know, and you you mentioned six hours of sleep, mm -hmm. and and most of the research uh, that I have accessed says that the average adult really should get eight to nine or seven right. to nine rather seven to nine, and uh, and as I as I do my leadership seminars and as I interview people and have this discussion with people, 
the majority, I'd say 75% of the people that I interact with, they are in the seven to eight hour range, mm -hmm. which is just healthy and recommended. So about 25% or so I find are less than that. Of that 25%, um, the majority of them are not comfortable with their current sleep. You know, some will say, oh, six hours, five hours, and I'm good to go. But most will say, I can't get more than five hours, and it's driving me nuts. I wish, you know, yeah. I don't wake up feeling well-rested. And, you know, not to make this a, a, a completely sleep-focused uh, discussion, but um, in many, many cases uh, where people are sleep-deprived for some reason, if you consult your, your healthcare professional, you can find the problem, therefore you can find the solution. And, yeah. and remember, when we're not well-rested, we tend to be irritable. We tend to uh, have a narrowed ability to focus, to think. And um, even in, in some cases, it can cause people to act uh, in an unethical manner. Yep, absolutely. And then you're just a real joy to be around at that point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. But, you know, to your other point, people do see it. They see when you're not well-rested. Oh, yeah. And, and um, you're not sending good signals in that case. Nope, absolutely not. So please continue. So, so after sleep, uh, the next thing that people need to focus on is hydration. And <clears throat> it's amazing how many people do not know how much water they should drink on a daily basis. And when I say how much you should drink, again, this is looking at all the medical research and it all generally agrees on, on how much you should drink. And that number, just to uh, answer the burning question right now, is to take your body weight in pounds and divide it by two. So for example, I weigh 180 pounds divided by two is 90. That's how many ounces, 90 ounces is how much water at a minimum I should drink in a 24 hour period. Uh, you throw exercise and other strenuous activity on top of that and you should really drink more than that. In addition to that minimum recommended daily amount of water, and we're talking about water here. People always say, well, does beer count or, you know, energy drinks or other things? We're talking about water. But in addition to, in my case, the 90 ounces of water I should drink on a daily basis, drinking 16 ounces of water, that's two cups, 16 ounces of water First thing, when you first wake up, ideally before you before your feet even hit the floor, if you drink 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning, you're doing three things. You are lubricating your spine, you are awakening your mind, and you are activating your digestive system. And so your first form of breakfast, breakfast, right? Breaking the fast, you just slept for eight hours, we're going to break fast, break the fast. Right. Your, fir your first meal in the morning should be 16 ounces of water. You dehydrate when you sleep. Your brain is 73% water. If you get a good night's sleep and you didn't, you didn't uh, you know, wake up and drink water throughout the evening, you wake up dehydrated. Everybody wakes up in that state. 16 ounces of water first thing in the morning, in the morning puts your body in motion in a way that's going to increase your alertness and your energy level. Right. from 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 the uh, very start of the day yep that's amazing i started doing that when you told me you're like brenda just swig a, a quick 16 ounces first thing in the morning before you eat the ground yeah yeah it's not uh, it's not difficult i recommend room temperature water just you know have that have that 
that glass or that bottle of water at bedside before you go to bed and, and to, to, to chug down 16 ounces of, of room temperature water is easy to do. Yep. And, um, and, and it does, it doesn't take long if you, I mean, did you, have you done it every single day and, you know, have you noticed over like day three, day four, you're like, ah, I got, I got a little more pep in my step earlier in the day. Actually, you know where I see it the most. So to answer your question, I, I do it most days out of the week. <clears throat> um, you know, recently, you know, I've, I've had an injury in my left. I've dislocated my left elbow. So I've been doing a lot of things by myself. <laughs> uh-huh. I do everything by myself to begin with, but they're just a little with a little extra challenge to them until I'm completely healed here. But for the most part, you know, I do have water. I do have 16 ounces and I, I do I do take it first thing in the morning. But we're actually where I really see it the most. And I can tell when I'm pretty well hydrated and I look at the skin on my hands and I can see a difference. A huge yeah. difference. You know, that's interesting because I can look in the mirror. I can look at my eyes oh, and, really? and the skin around my eyes. And, and that's where I notice, uh, you know, um, just visually uh, yeah. whether or not I'm dehydrated. I can feel it as well. But but it's interesting how you can just look in the mirror and tell, you know, yeah. or in your case, look at your fingers. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. So it's at the it's the top of my hand. And what's interesting is that, so I don't drink a lot of carbonated soda anymore. I, I kick the habit on that, but every now and again, I do like a diet. I'm sorry. I do like a diet uh, root beer. So it's my favorite it used to be my crutch, but that's kind of like a treat that I have every now and again. But it's interesting. So, you know, I can hydrate all day long, but I have one of those and I wake up first thing in the morning, I look at the top of my hand and you know, it's raisined. <laughs> it's just, uh. Uh, and I'm like, it just sucks the water right out of you. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, so, so again, now if I combine uh, those two elements, I'm not well rested and I'm not well hydrated. I'm even less prepared to, you know, analyze a, a difficult situation or deal with something outside of the ordinary day to day. You know, leaders. A leader's job typically is to solve problems on a on a reoccurring basis. Amongst Amongst the majority of what leaders do, right. one one of those is to solve issues, solve problems, and um, your your physical fitness, your level of awareness um, is directly linked to you know all six of the components we've discussed too so far, rest and hydration. So you combine a deficit of both of those, and now I'm really starting to uh, negatively impact my ability to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's amazing. I mean, it's it's just amazing to me that, you know, I know that we have a lot of leaders out there that, you know, they, they have some sort of fitness regimen, but there's a lot of leaders that just don't do anything at all. And, you know, when I travel for work, you know, I'm, I'm usually, I do what I, in the past, I always did what I could to get into the gym and keep my, what I was working and focusing on up to snuff and up to par, but um, yeah, I see a lot of people that just throw that right to the wayside and, you know, it, it, it does impact your performance. I mean, just even as an employee, it impacts your performance more or less a leader. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's, do- this doesn't only apply to the leader. It applies to everybody on the team. And, and, and part of, uh, my discussion is that number, first of all, we're going to, we're going to look at the, the scientific aspect of leadership and we're going to lead ourselves. And number two, we need to recognize these things in the people that we lead. For example, if uh, I have a complex task for one of my teammates and we're discussing it or I'm going to assign it or, or there's uh, you know, uh, uh, a, critical, a critical task at hand 
and that that uh, teammate is clearly not well rested, not well hydrated, not well nourished, um, or you know uh, otherwise just not physically um, very energetic, then I, I need to reconsider the task at hand. Yeah. Or I need to be prepared to accept a product of a lesser quality, and and and, and you know people go through these different periods. I, it's it's not to fault that individual. It's not to say, hey, you're not a good team member if you're not well-rested, well-hydrated, well-nourished, et cetera. Right. Um, but it's, it's up to me to, number one, enable an environment where they are well-rested, well-hydrated, well-nourished. They have an exercise program. They're educated on brain and heart health, and they're focused on lifelong learning. I need to provide that environment. Yeah. Uh, but I also need to recognize when that environment is jeopardized somewhat in their world and 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 do what I can to help them to to get them back on track. And that's, you know, that's not a short-term thing. That's a long-term thing. Mhm. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, the other point about leaders who don't pay attention to this. So there's plenty of successful people who pay little or no attention to rest, hydration, right. nutrition, exercise, brain and heart health and lifelong learning, but they're not optimal and their expiration date is going to be a lot sooner than those who pay attention to it. And I don't mean expiration date like RIP. I mean their effectiveness to uh, be a leader in the workforce. So so really what we're talking about is optimizing the longevity of your career. How can you be the best leader you can be over the, the longest amount of time or the greatest duration? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. And I know what I know what my answer is on this one, but I'd really love to hear yours. Why do you think focusing in on taking care of yourself in the manners as you are describing, why do you think people don't do it? Uh, well, I think for one reason, I, I think one one answer to that is they're somewhat uninformed. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about, I. I, again, I went through this, this wonderful veterans program a few years ago. I wish I would have went through this program 25 years ago. I started doing yoga two years ago. I wish I would have started doing yoga 25 years ago. Wow. I just think there's a, this has never been brought to the forefront as a critical component of leadership or, you know, to your point of being uh, just a good team member, a good productive uh, employee. Yeah. and, and these, and again, this stuff is borne out over time and yeah. it just hasn't been brought to the fore. And I want to bring it to the fore and I'm doing it because I'm listening. What I'm doing is I'm conveying the story my body has told me for the last 30 years. A lot of, a lot of what my body was telling me, I, I paid attention to and I understood. I've always been a big proponent of exercise and, and education, but a lot of it, I didn't understand exactly what my body was saying. You know, oh, I'm going to push through the night and run on four hours of sleep. Uh, You know, everybody does that at some point in their, either in their, in their uh, academic career or in their professional career. And a lot, a lot of people, myself included in the past, we wear that as a badge of honor. You know, oh, I got a project done. I only got two hours of sleep and I pushed through it. And um, that's actually, you know, if a leader allows that to happen, that's you're being a reckless and irresponsible leader, quite frankly. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the product you get, the quality of the product um, will be less. And and that team member's enthusiasm and that team member's excitement and that team member's dedication 
uh, will dwindle over time as well. Yeah. So it just hasn't been brought to the fore uh, in a way that, uh, you know, the other reason is very short term, we're short term memory and we're, we're instant gratification. Yes. And, and this, this takes time for people to realize. But yeah. if somebody would have drilled this into me when I was 25 years old, hey, pay attention to these six things on a daily basis and you're going to be the best you can be for the longest term. Uh, I, you know, I, I would have, I would have, uh, I, I would have done even better, uh, over the years. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, you know, I look back at it too. And you got to admit though, when you're 25 to in your early twenties, man, nothing can knock you down and, and you don't, <laughs> you don't believe that anything can take you out. And now here, you know, we're, you know, we're not, we've well knocked on 40 a long time ago, but you know, and it's just like, Oh, I wish I, had, I wish I had done more. And I, and I fully agree with you. And then, you know, then you age, your body changes on top of it. And so then it requires those tweaking, it requires that tweaking. So what may, what may have worked in doing this when you're 30 may not necessarily, you may have to adjust the type of food that you're taking and you may have to go with more lean proteins versus, um, you know, higher level of grains or something like that. I mean, it's just, your body's just going to shift. No, that's, that's, uh, so true. You know, in, in my twenties and most people, in your 20s, you're bulletproof, you know, totally. You, you, you get injured, you heal quickly, you know, you, you work through the injury and that's that, you know, in, in my career, Navy Special Operations, when I was in my 20s, it's all about swim farther, dive deeper. Um, in, in my case, being an explosives person, you know, uh, use more explosives, make a bigger detonation, um, you know, drink more, uh, all those things that um, that people in their 20s have a tendency to do. Uh, and, and quite honestly, I wish I was better educated at that time. Now, I don't know if I would have acted differently, but <laughs> <clears throat> if I was better educated, there's a chance I would have anyway. Um, you know, and then and then in my 30s, it's it's pretty much uh, a repeat of the 20s, except uh, late 30s, especially you go, oh, well, my knee hurts in a way it hasn't hurt before. Or right. that, that little thing in my shoulder has been there for six months now. I, I'm going to uh, go see the doctor about this. So that's kind of late 30s. And then in, in your 40s, it's like, okay, this is a long-term injury. I blew out an Achilles or, yeah, uh, yeah some other, uh, in my case, I had uh, patella femoral syndrome in both knees. And, you know, now now the injuries really start to slow you down and you got to look at yourself and say, what am I doing? You know, there's also a big change in exercise science. So mm-hmm. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, body pumping iron by Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was get on that bench and press as much as you could. And, you know, over the over the long term, you're just damaging your shoulders and you're damaging your joints. And yeah. exercise science is so smart now with circuit training. And, you know, look at the things that gymnasts do. Uh, you know, they're not in there pumping heavy iron, but they're lean and mean and lean and ripped and they can do amazing things with their bodies. And, and so the science of exercise has changed significantly. And and that's another part of of being a leader is to is to pay attention to that and to number one, apply it to yourself in a smart way and then number two, um, enable it. So rest, hydration, exercise. I, I'm sorry, we talked about exercise. Actually in the, the order that I presented, I say rest, hydration, nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna touch on nutrition real quick. And this is amazing. And, and um, you know, when you sat through the seminar, I'm not even sure if I put out the following, uh, the, the, the following information. of chronic disease in the United States is 
due to poor diet. Yeah, it's due to, to poor food choices. Therefore, it's preventable. 70%, 70%, that's an astonishing number, astonishing. It and is. And it's not surprising at all when you have, you know, all the drive-throughs and all the all the frozen stuff and all the kind of prepared stuff. Um, and, and, and it's convenient, and I'm guilty. I've, I've eaten every single one of those things. Yep. Uh, but again, I wish I would have known the significance of, of nutrition um, 25, 30 years ago. And, and I'm sure, you know, we were educated on it then, not as much as we are now. And there's more scientific fact now than there was then. But, but again, it wasn't, um, it wasn't beat into my head, so to speak. And, 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 you know, that poor nutrition, that 70% of chronic disease that's preventable, it doesn't happen because you ate one cheeseburger one time. It happens because you have a lifetime of poor yes. diet decisions, right? And yeah, so, absolutely. So you have to, if you recognize that early, um, even if you recognize it later on, you can do something about it. So what I have to say, and, and the other part about nutrition, and this is remarkable as well, to go hand in hand with 70% of chronic disease is due to diet, therefore preventable. Um, we have, in the, in the U.S., we have the most advanced healthcare system and we have, uh, you could say, the most advanced uh, pharmacological industry. Yes, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The big farm, right? So, right. So with that, we are 43rd as a nation in life expectancy. 43rd. That's insane. So, and, and why is that? Refer back to 70% of chronic disease in America is preventable through diet. That's exactly why. But that's just, it's remarkable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's to the point too. It's like, you know, what's now I, and I I don't mean to cut you off, but um, I do want to interject here that, you know, we, part of leadership, look, either you're leading a business forward or, you know, this is a show on HR, you know, as HR leaders, admins, you know, whoever you are listening to this, you, you don't even have to be in HR. But the thing is, is that, you know, travel is a big component of how, your food and your consumption of nutrition is impacted huge and it's easy to you know when and I did it I mean I traveled every week for almost five years and it's easy but I got to the point where instead as I had to go to different restaurants if I knew where I was going I'd always jump on and look at the menu ahead of time and I was always cognitive thinking okay what am I going to eat what am I going to eat through the day? And I just made these little adjustments. So because they throw a ton of salt, they throw a ton of sugar in restaurant food. And I always felt the impact of it. And, and by the time I got done at the end of the week, I mean, I was drained. And I could feel it because of all that extra stuff that I would carry. So once I started looking at that, it's just a minor tweak. You know, instead of you can have the steak. But, you know, carefully select what your sides are. Instead of a baked potato, do a sweet potato. You know, it's just yeah, these it, little things. Go ahead. No, that's right. All those little food choices and food tweaks. Yeah. The other thing is portion. Um, you yes. know, your portion, oh, and this, this, <laughs> this is not new information, but but people just don't pay attention to this. Your portion should be the size of your fist. Your protein mm-hmm. should should be the size of your fist. And, uh, you know, restaurants are very generous these days in, in the portion size. And so people have to adapt. Or if you go get that great big T-bone, and I love a big T-bone, yep. eat half of it and bring the other half home and, and, and you know, have it for a snack or have it for dinner or lunch the next day. I mean, 
there's there's a lot of smart things you can do, but your point is spot on. When yeah. you travel frequently, then managing the diet becomes more of a task. It's not undo it's not, you know, undoable or or terribly difficult, but it definitely becomes more of a task and that's where you have to to focus a little more attention on that. You're also right. Eating kind of road food, so to speak, for a mm -hmm. week, for me, if I eat road food for a day, I'm I'm wiped out. I don't have yeah. energy. I can't keep my eyes open. I can't think. You do it for two days or three days or four days or five days, you know, you're really uh, negatively impacting your ability to have what I, what I call comprehensive situational awareness, yes. to have this mental alertness where you have this 360 degree view of what's going on in your world. Yes. And, you know, I, these other little tricks when you travel, too, because you have to be on your feet. I mean, travel is it, it's a it's a necessity when it comes to business, but it's also a privilege because companies don't let people travel if they're not competent to do the work. So, you know, there are days where, God, I, I can remember I get, a, you know, I'm on the road. I'm already getting after it seven, eight o'clock in the morning and come two, three o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't eaten yet, and um, and I need to eat my lunch. I, I might have like a little breakfast or something, but but usually my lunch is what gets skipped. But then I started uh, developing. I'd either bring like a small bag of almonds or something that's just something that I can munch on versus the alternative of somebody saying, "Hey, let's go get something to eat." Here it's two o'clock in the afternoon. You go out and you get a heavy lunch, and then less than four hours, somebody's saying, "Okay, now we need to go do dinner." And you're like, "Oh crap! I haven't even I haven't even digested my lunch yet." So I just got to the point where I'd bring an apple. I grab an apple from the hotel. You know, if they did a complimentary breakfast or something like that, grab an apple or a banana. I would just always have something with me small. So if I blew that midday lunch, I wasn't loading up on so much food in the afternoon to turn around and then do a heavy dinner following that because that's just what happens. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and the snack thing, you know, you talked about nuts. So fruits and nuts, I, I mean, again, this takes some preparation, but it's not right. rocket science. You no. go to the grocery store and you buy yourself 30 days worth of, I'm going to have uh, a handful of almonds early afternoon, I'm going to have a handful of almonds late afternoon, mm -hmm. or I'm going to have um, uh, walnuts, or I'm going to have pecans, or I'm going to have Brazil nuts, or I'm going to have macadamia. You know, all those are great healthy snacks. And, yep. and go in the fruit aisle. I actually like to prep my fruit a little bit. I'll, I'll buy a, a whole pineapple and chop it up. And, you know, I can have uh, four ounces of pineapple a couple times a day, or maybe I'll have uh, eight ounces of pineapple first thing in the morning. But there's all these little things you can do. And by the way, that's brain food as well. And we haven't got yeah. to the brain and heart aspect yet. But but besides, you're keeping yourself out of the trough. And I know you've heard me talk about peak trough recovery. 80% mm -hmm. of the population, your body naturally goes into this trough state where you're not highly energetic and highly alert and highly analytical. And that happens mid to late afternoon. And, and so your body is already naturally taking you in that direction. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make good food choices and if you're not well hydrated and if you weren't real well rested to begin with, you can't keep your eyes open at 2.30 in the afternoon. Nope. Uh, and, and, and that is, it's manageable. You can avoid that. You can be energized at 2.30 in the afternoon if you pay attention to the rest of this stuff. I, I did want to say something else too. You know, you mentioned the HR aspect. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, HR departments seek out leadership training for the companies that they work for. That's part of one of the things that they're tasked with. And 
again, I would put forth that um, I don't think they go out and look for this, what I call the science of leadership training. I don't think they look for things that are based on rest, hydration, nutrition, exercise, brain and heart health, and lifelong learning. Um, But hopefully if they're exposed to this podcast when we're done and we've tied it all together, they say, hey, this is critical, not only for the leadership of the organization, but it's crucial to uh, everybody in the organization. And and crucial, and, and what can they do about it? They can enable it. They can send people to the appropriate uh, courses and the appropriate training, and they can create a culture within the organization. They can uh, create the environmental aspects. They can create the atmospherics that energize and motivate people. And I've seen it in my own organization. I have yeah. a modest little workout station on the third floor in our building and you know i'll go out there and do some pull-ups and i've got uh, resistance bands hanging off it off of it and i'll do different exercises well lo and behold there's one of our new hires who you know walked past that thing for the last three months and now she's using the assistance band and working on doing her pull-ups that's and cool it, it's it's cool it's super cool and then there'll be two or three people out there and they'll say well how many can you do how many can you do so they'll you know <laughs> Instead of just walk by it and go, what's that thing? You know, they walk by it and go, hey, man, that, I can do more pull-ups than you. Or I, you know, so, so, so you literally create a culture. You literally create a climate. And now I have people in the organization. They're going to the gym together before, during, or after work. And, and this, is, this is critical. But this takes time to create. And you have to be deliberative. And it's not a one and done. This, right. What I'm talking about is very perishable. It's easy to, you know, attend the briefing and then forget about it. You have to, as a leader, what my focus, one of the things I do as a leader is I continually discuss, I continually enable, I continually reward the behavior um, that models this type of healthy lifestyle. And it becomes part of the culture. And I've seen it. I see it. And it takes time. And it takes uh, perseverance. So what kind of rewards do you offer? I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a really cool uh, thing to look at here. What kind of rewards do you provide your employees? Yeah, so one of the things we do is um, we, we provide, it's not so much a reward, but we provide a, a rec center membership to anybody who wants one. Oh, there and, you go. Yeah, and we encourage uh, everybody to get a rec center membership. And it's funny there because during my end briefing with new team members, you know, I, I let them know that, hey, if you're interested in a rec center membership, let me know and we'll arrange that. Um, you know, about half the people say, oh, that's great. I'll take it. And probably the other half say, um, you know, I'm good. And, you, you know, in most cases within the next three to four months, they come up and say, hey, can I still get that rec center membership? But in terms of reward, um, we do a quarterly all hands meeting mm-hmm. and we recognize number one, top level performance. And that's largely through sales. Uh, at the end of the day, we're a, we're a for-profit business and we, we seek ROI. So the teammates that sell the most um, get a form of recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, teammates who have recovered from injury. We have teammates who have lost a significant amount of weight. We have teammates who never ran before and now they can't wait to come and tell me how they just finished a 5K. Oh, that's um, so cool. In the case of one of our teammates, um, she was not a runner. She's been with us for six years, so, so she's been around for a while. 
but she she was not a runner to begin with. She became one. She was not a 5K runner to begin with. She became one, and that culminated in a half marathon. So, wow. So the reward for her was the company paid all of her fees to uh, to enter the race. Her and, and two, two young ladies actually did this race together. That is so awesome. Yeah, so the company paid their fees. Uh, and then we also have a, a very unique gym um, adjacent to our building that we're lucky enough to have access to. Uh, and, and then and then really, you know, kind of public recognition, public acknowledgement of the efforts that people are putting into their health is, you, you know, I, I guess a form of reward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. So anything else that you'd like to touch on that we haven't touched on? We talked about nutrition. We talked about sleep. We talked about hydration. Ooh, can, uh, we talked about physical. And the last one, I think, if, I'm, if I got all my fingers correct here, is the continuous learning. Yeah, so so we have we have two more actually. We have brain, uh, brain and heart health. Brain, brain and heart and, health. There you and go. then we have uh, lifelong learning. And, and brain and heart health, I'll, I'll hit real quick. Um, your brain, uh, most people know, it is the most advanced organism uh, known to man. And your brain is programmed to make you react physically, emotionally, and mentally uh, in certain ways to certain different situations. For example. Right fight, flight, or freeze. We've all heard yes. that. And so what happens? You have an autonomic nervous system with two subsystems. One is the sympathetic nervous system, which triggers fight, flight, or freeze. So the tiger's chasing me. I need to run a thousand miles an hour. So my blood pressure goes up, my heart rate goes up, my blink rate goes up, um, blood is diverted away from my digestive system, um, towards my heart and my vision narrows and my ability to, to, because your vision narrows, your ability to see things, uh, to see the wider, broader picture and your ability to think about and analyze and observe the broader picture is reduced significantly. Now that doesn't only happen when the tiger's chasing you that happens in the workplace or at mm -hmm. home in your personal life. This happens to you on a daily basis. Yep. Fight, flight or freeze, sympathetic nervous system activates on and off all day long. The counter to that is the parasympathetic, and that slows things down. That reduces heart rate, reduces blink rate, reduces blood pressure. It, it widens your vision, and it widens your ability to reason and to analyze and to see what's going on. So you've heard the term stop and breathe. Hey, when things are mm -hmm. getting you're excited, stop and breathe. And by breathing, by having an inhalation that is shorter in duration than your exhalation, you're activating your parasympathetic. So right. somebody brings you grand news, either terrible news or very good news. It's news that makes you want to jump out of your chair regardless. Um, that's your sympathetic nervous system reacting to the situation. You can just take a moment and do the breathing exercise, which is a four to five second inhale and a, a six to seven second exhale and take 30 seconds and do that and shut that sympathetic system off by, you know, by activating your parasympathetic. What you're doing is keeping yourself in the driver's seat. You're controlling the situation. You're not allowing your sympathetic nervous system to take control of you. Uh, and, and, you know, the end result of that is you make better decisions you look rational, you don't embarrass yourself, and you don't become one of those people who 
nobody wants to be around. I'm not going to go tell them. You tell them. Or right. stay away from Bob today. Do you see the storm clouds over his head? <laughs> you know, you don't want to be that type of leader. Again, if you are that type of leader, um, your your days are numbered. Yeah. Um, and, and, and meaning the success of the organization uh, is limited. And 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 so so sympathetic, parasympathetic, very important and uh, something you can manage in the boardroom, something you can manage uh, before you're about to speak to your entire organization, something you can manage if you're going to make a pitch, a sales pitch, something you can manage in a time of crisis, critical. And, and people have to do these breathing exercises and they have to kind of learn, you know, I discuss this in much greater detail, obviously, in, in Elevate Your Leadership, but, but these are things that apply to a leader. The last one, lifelong learning. Uh, let me say one other thing about the brain and exercise. Sure. Uh, there's something called neuroplasticity in the brain. And this is one of those things where I said my body's been talking to me over my entire professional life. And sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. But neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to grow, change, adapt, and heal. Neuroplasticity was a theory um, 20, 25 years ago. It is now a scientific fact. And, and you can turn neuroplasticity on with a switch, and that switches your heart. And you activate that switch by elevating your heart rate. And if you elevate your heart rate to 60 to 85% of your age-recommended maximum heart rate, neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity it's, a, it's a big word, um, it turns on and you see things more clearly. What happens is, is serotonin and um, epinephrine uh, and another chemical that I can't remember right now, they, they feed your brain. Your brain is pre-programmed to receive these chemicals that it naturally produces. And when it receives these chemicals, those neural pathways are generated and they're, and they're cleared. So your brain grows, changes, adapts, heals. What happens? Strong body, strong mind, right? We've heard that. Right. After an exercise, you get the runner's high. Uh, you, you know, you get that that euphoric feeling if you've had a good workout. Well, it, all you have to do is elevate your heart rate to 60% of your age-recommended maximum for a sustained period of time. Most, most research recommends a minimum of 30 minutes. But this allows you to see things more clearly. Throughout my entire career, I know that if I have a complex problem to solve, I would go for a run or I would go to the gym. I just could think through things so much more clearly when I was exercising. Why? Because my heart rate was elevated and that, art, uh, that elevated heart rate was flipping a switch in my brain which gave me clarity in it. And I'm no different than anybody else. As a leader, be aware of that and, yeah. and again, enable that amongst your team. Okay, <clears throat> that's the brain and the heart. Then we have lifelong learning. Any leader who's, who's sincerely interested in being the best he can be is dedicated to learning throughout their life. Uh, a great example of that is the, the, um, the sensei, the fifth degree black belt martial artist who shows up to the dojo wearing a white belt. Mm -hmm. And he says, somebody teach me something today. Always willing to learn, no matter yeah. what your status is, you're always willing to learn. Um, I'll go, uh, sometimes, you know, when I feel the trough approaching, I'll walk around and talk to people in the organization. And I just want them to tell me what it is they do. Tell me about what it is you do exactly, or tell me what you've, you've done today 
um, that's job related or task related. You know, tell me about what you do. And and that that's a great thing to do too because number one, they're educating me, uh, but number two, they're they're able to demonstrate to me their competence right then and there, mm-hmm. and and they're proud to to share that. Uh, and and it's just a very fun and rewarding discussion. It is, and I'm going to interject something here too. It does something more. You haven't called it out yet, and and I've heard you say this before, but here's something else it does. It also demonstrates to employees that you're approachable, and that's huge, absolutely huge when it comes to trust building in that relationship between leader and subordinate. Yeah, you know, very true, and uh, you're right. I haven't mentioned it yet, but you know what's funny about that, and, and, and I get this feedback a lot, and I'm still trying to figure out what I can do better. But after I've had that discussion with people, even people outside the organization who, you know, you've met at, at mm-hmm. other functions or whatever. But when, you, when I finally have a, a nice discussion with people, they go, oh, my God, you're so easy to talk to. You're so approachable. <laughs> I thought, you know, it's like they don't say it, but, but what they do say, <laughs> they go, my impression before was completely different than that. You know? <laughs> well, and here's the thing. And nine times out of ten. You probably aren't even talking about anything that has to do with you. You're probably like just asking them questions and all of a sudden as a result of it, because you've taken an interest in somebody, you're the most fascinating human being on the planet. (laughs) It's so funny. Oh my God, you're so approachable. Oh, thank you. You're such a great guy. Like, I'll just out listen and ask you a few questions, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's, the, but there's a lot of forms of lifelong learning, and and that's the other thing that leaders need to be aware of. Um, I coach youth hockey, and I learn so much by being part of that organization. Um, I I started snowboarding about five years ago, and I I I literally I felt the neuroplasticity happening as I'm learning how to snowboard and snowboarding. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, and, and, you know, reading books, there's so many books out there. It doesn't matter what you read, read. And uh, Warren Buffett reads for six hours a day. Mark Cuban reads for three hours a day. And, and General Mattis, uh, who uh, released a book recently called um, Call Sign Chaos, he, he is of the belief that if, you haven't, if, you're, if you're an adult, um, you know, midway through your career, if you haven't read hundreds of books, you're functionally illiterate. And, and that's a pretty extreme statement, but it's extreme. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, but I can tell you that the success I've had and the good relationships that I'm lucky enough to have, a lot of that was fostered through, through behavior that I adapted to because of what I've read. Yeah. So, so that's, that's just key. And then I'm always looking for, you know, people can come as part of lifelong learning, come and come and visit me, do my seminar, uh, elevate your leadership. Go to Frank and Covey. Go to Dale Carnegie. Go to those coaches and those ex- those executive coaches and those mentors. Find those things out there, and and you know it's not a one and done. I'll do one this year. I'll do another one next year. I'll do n- another one the year after that. Yeah. Uh, you have to expose yourself to things to see if there's value, and 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 the value is different for different people, and that's just the way the world is. Absolutely. And you know, and, and so on top of the neuroplasticity piece, there's a lot to be said for what learning does just to your soul, just to yourself emotionally. And you know, people, we get into a funk. I mean, everybody gets into a funk. We, we run into a situation that, you know, feels like we bit off more than we can chew. You know, we're feeling the pressures of whatever's going on. We don't feel good about ourselves, but you know what, if you take on anything even if you're just trying to get away with something, 
just go learn how to do something, just something new, or be inquisitive as to the how something works and how it's figured out. And it's just new information. And, you know, you remind yourself that, hey, listen, I am capable because I just figured this out, right? And it does tend to, like, turn yourself around a little bit because, look, the one thing that we haven't talked about when it comes to leadership, it ain't easy. There's nothing easy about leadership. And everybody's heard that it's lonely at the top. And it, and that really is true. I mean, you are an apex leader in your organization. How many people can you literally turn right or left in your building and actually just like if you needed a vent session, could vent and it not violate some form of confidentiality or, you know, do something. Some that would, or a protocol. That's right. Yeah. Make your director of ops hand in his two week notice. You know what I mean? It's just, and he wouldn't do it anyway. He's a cool guy, but, but still it's, but it's that kind of thing. It's like, you know, the higher up you go, you can see the horizon in a longer distance, but you're the only one looking at it unless you've got somebody that you have a soundboard for. And if you don't do that, it's not emotionally and mentally healthy. So you have to be able to, the neuroplasty piece, exercise that part of your brain, but you, it also has to hit you on the emotional level as well. Yeah, yeah, there's there's uh, there's no doubt about that. And, yeah. and and you're right about, you know, being able to have those discussions with your peers. And that's another thing. That's another part of lifelong learning is, you know, get outside of your organization, interact with your peers. I had a um, uh, I had a senior military leader in my Elevate Your Leadership uh, seminar that I did yesterday. And this guy in his mid 40s started playing the guitar. And um, he, he said it just did it, it did wonders for him. Mm -hmm. Um, um, you know, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and, um, and, you know, he's, he needs that learning challenge. He's, yeah. he craves that learning challenge. So pretty cool yeah. stuff. I mean, for me, for when I was in my favorite all-time job, when I, when I did that job for five years and I, it's my, I love that job. It was my dream job. Now I'm creating my, my dream job. Right. But when I was in it, I, I designed jewelry for five years and I had to have that brain dump. You know, I had to have a place where I could exercise the other half of my brain and get creative because that's where I needed some of that balance. And if I didn't have it, then I was always in this constant learning thing, but I was always in my swim lane on business and HR and, and I would, and I'm just like, this is all great stuff, but you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the moss growing on me here, you know, because <laughs> it wasn't new and it wasn't fresh and it was, I mean, it was exciting from a business perspective, but it wasn't fulfilling from a personal perspective. And so you yeah. have to have those fun things. I mean, go to iFly and, and jump in the wind tunnel with Bob for a little while, you know, that's or right. whoever. That's right. Yeah. Come and fly with us. We'll change right. your perspective on a lot of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just doing something different, just getting out. That's why I encourage you know, over in the Next Gen Women and the membership site and then also in the Facebook group, you have to do something for 30 minutes just for yourself at least once a week at the very absolute minimum. Because if you don't, you're just going to lose it. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. That's self-care. And, yeah. you know, when I talk about rest, hydration, nutrition, uh, exercise, brain and heart health and lifelong learning, these are things that just in little doses, pay attention to it every day. And, and you know, I consider that doing something for yourself, just in little doses, pay attention to it every single day and, and feel, you know, celebrate, take, take the time to celebrate the fact that reward yourself. Hey, yeah. I, 
I, I feel good because I paid attention to some very important things that are good for my, my mental and emotional and physical health. Uh, and then also, also forgive yourself. Oh, now, yes. I, I, I prepare my <laughs> meals, I try and prepare my meals, but I don't always eat the meals that I prepare because of, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, I want to work out five days a week. Sometimes it's, it turns out to be three days a week. Um, but you can't beat yourself up over that stuff. Just, you know, celebrate the gains, celebrate your activity, and, and don't beat yourself up. No, absolutely not. But don't get complacent with, well, I can only drop it down to three. Because then you get, like, if somebody's counting calories or if they're counting carbs, and if they, they kind of get a little too loose, it's what they call carb creep or calorie creep. Yeah, it's the right. same, same kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden it's a level of complacency that sits in. You still need to have that level of discipline. But you know what? You don't have to put your fingers in a vice if you if you can't meet the benchmark because stuff happens in life. And all you have to do is just deal with what you have to deal with and then get right back on track again. And for some people, that's easier said than done. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly right. Joe. Well, this has been awesome. So if people want to learn more about your program, how can they find you? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, they can visit robertpazzini.com quite simply. And um, that will take you to my Elevate Your Leadership page. And from there, you can kind of learn more about my one-day offering, my two-day offering, and then the three-day, uh, uh, what we call, a, what we call a, um, um, an off-site. And uh, in addition to that, uh, LinkedIn, you know, I've got a, a fairly uh, uh, built-out profile on LinkedIn. So robertpazzini.com or look for my name, Robert Pazzini, on LinkedIn. And I'll be happy to, I answer my own phone, by the way, so I'll be happy to uh, be happy to talk to anybody. So let me ask you a question before I sign off. So if a company wanted to bring you in, instead of them going out to do an offsite, would you be willing to come in and actually do your leadership program in-house? Yeah, that's a great point. So um, I, I can do it, um, obviously, at iFly Virginia Beach, where we incorporate the flight experience. I can do it at 34 other iFlies across the U.S., or we don't have to do it at an iFly. I can go to any corporate location and uh, deliver deliver uh, my Elevate Your Leadership experience without the uh, without the flight component. Yeah, well, just be comfortable. Just be comfortable with the fact that Rob's not going to throw you out of a perfectly good airplane if yeah, he doesn't I, have a wind tunnel. You'll be fine. <laughs> remember, no such thing as a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on. I really do appreciate it. Hey, great discussion, Brenda. Thank you for inviting me. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. Actually, we've been kind of doing things a little different the whole episode, but the thing that's a little bit different is that we're actually recording this in the middle of a thunderstorm. <laughs> so you may hear some rumbling going on in the background and you know what? We're just going to have fun with it. So guys, to, so just so you know, a um, couple things, just a few announcements up on the dedicated, the best practices.org dedicated coronavirus page. Um, we've got some things to point out. We, I have added the Department of Labor rules that just came out this past Monday on April 6th for the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. These are, this is the second wave of information that we've been waiting for. Um, there's a whole bunch of really good, actionable, downloadable, accessible information 
here on this page for you guys. You're not going to get like a bunch of media stuff. You, you know, if you want to do media stuff, you can just read the news on your own. That's fine. But what we have here is everything that has to deal with employment and everything that that you can use to help you work through this. Plus, we've also got um, a list of all of the webinars that I am actually uh, facilitating and you are welcome to join in. We've got about, oh geez, what, 10 here from Train HR. We've got four more over at Compliance Amend and Asset Pro, uh, one over there on the 14th. So, so these are a wide variety of topics, all related to what we're going through right now. You guys take advantage of this. This has got really, really good information out there. Again, that's bestpractices.work and the dedicated um, coronavirus page that's up there. Email me your questions. You guys are welcome to, especially now, email me your questions. You can also set up time to talk with me for about 20 minutes. You can just go to um, the bestpractices.work website on the coronavirus page. And then there's a, a button, there's two buttons. There. One is a button where you can actually request, um, uh, a cons like if you need help finding a, uh, an employment journey, it's not coming out of my mouth. And then the other one is you can go ahead and set up some time with me. That's not a problem because people are doing this. They've got a lot of questions about understanding what's the difference between paid sick leave and the extended uh, family medical leave. Act. And it's just, it's all a little confusing and there's a lot of ambiguity that's surrounding this. So we're, we're working on cutting through that. So you guys, that's all I'm going to say about the coronavirus. You can now completely put it aside. But we don't have an HR question for the day. Again, just wanted to kind of get your brain snapped out of it. But I will tell you that we are also lending support. If you are in HR and or you're coming into the field, join us over on the Facebook group at the Next Gen Women in HR. It is a free service. You guys can come on over. We're doing all sorts of really awesome little learning that's out there. We, we take things in small chunks and help people figure out their people problems uh, within the group. And it's really starting to take off. It's only been around since January 6th, and we have 130 members in it. So, um, yeah, it's a really, really, really good group of women. And, you know, we got guys in there, too. So And they are uh, they are followers and participants in, in human resources. So we've got some really good stuff coming on. You can also go ahead and jump in and, and fill in your prescription. Your prescription. <laughs> your subscription wow to the uh to the ne next gen women in hr member page and the member page is somewhere someplace where you can go and you can access vital resources it's an exclusive page you get vital resources a whole bunch of really great information including all of the articles and the call outs plus a lot more that I get on a regular basis, that's where we house those. And you, and I mean, over the past several weeks, I've loaded up about 300 different ones. So there's a lot of really good juicy information over there. It is less than a, three cups of coffee in a week for a monthly membership. You can choose between the breakthrough group, which is really at the beginner level, that's $9 a month. And then over at the enterprise group, that's $15 a month, super affordable enterprises for those who have a much richer HR experience. So again, we're not doing an HR question today. We are foregoing a lot of this just so you guys can take in everything that Bob talked about. Awesome guy. And uh, just find your place to snap out of because we do have to take care of ourselves. And I'm a huge proponent on doing so. But you can follow me. You can find out what's going on over in my world over Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at the best practices in HR. 
Over on Instagram, you can find me again, also at Brenda the HR Lady. YouTube and LinkedIn is also, you can find me by name, my name, Brenda Neckbottle. That's N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And, and, little teaser here, working on a special project to where we've got some regular programming coming out on YouTube. So there's a little, there's a little teaser there for you. Some pretty cool stuff. And then you can also find me also at the, web, at the website at bestpractices.work, where if you click on connect at the top of the page, you'll be able to get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. Folks, thank you again. Episode 55 on the books for the record. You guys are fantastic. You're awesome. Look, hang in there. It, I know we're all going through this, but you know what? Look, this is we're, we're going to get through this. This is just a phase of our lives. You know, our worlds are made of peaks and valleys. And Lord knows we are certainly in the valley right now. But, you know, we will come out of that. The next two weeks are going to be really critical. So do your part. Stay home. Stay healthy. If you think that you might be sick, do something about it. Okay? Don't wait. Don't delay. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Because if you don't, nobody else is going to do it. I'm sorry to say it, but that's the that's the harsh reality. Stay in, social distance, be good, be good to yourselves, and you know, enjoy the time that you have with your family. Uh, and uh, this is just one big reset button of our life. So, guys, take it easy, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.